0: Be seated Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's try it again. Christ is risen. He is risen. Amen. God, we gather in your presence. God, we gather not uh, because of an idea, not because of our efforts, not just because of something that you have done long ago, but because through the death and resurrection of your Son Jesus, we are standing in his presence. So we are here to be with you because you have made it possible. And so we come as those, that community of your resurrection, who desire to be people who live in the resurrection. Open our hearts. Open our ears to hear from you. To hear that resurrection song that you sing to us by your Spirit. May it keep us dancing today and as we leave from here. We pray all this in the name of our resurrected Lord and King Jesus. Amen. I'm not preaching on this text, but this is just so good, so I'm going to read it again. This Isaiah passage. did you guys hear this? "On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow and aged wine, well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. In the beginning, in the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep darkness. In the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the deep darkness of death and the grave and rose Jesus from the dead. In the beginning, God raised Jesus from the dead. In the beginning, God raised Jesus from the dead. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created humanity. And then in the beginning, he took hold of his sons and daughters who were in bondage to sin and death and raised them up with Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, that fits the sermon in so many ways you don't even know yet. I love it. I was just interrupted with a hallelujah. (laughs) If Christ is risen, if Christ is risen, then God is working new creation. If Christ is risen, then God is working new creation in all the world, in all things, and in you. In, you. Yeah. in you. If Christ is risen, then God is working new creation. Death is swallowed up in resurrection life. New creation means that there are no bones that God cannot bring back to life. Are there any bones here tonight? that need to be put back to life. Any corpses that you feel like you're dragging around throughout the day. If Christ is risen, then God is working new creation, and that means that there are no bones that he cannot put back together and bring back to life. New creation means that there is more going on than we realize or that we can control. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) New creation means that there is more going on. Hear me, friends. That there is more going on than we realize or that we can control. Surprise. Surprise. (laughs) There's more going on than we realize or that we can control. Can I get an amen? Amen. Somebody, there we go. Because we are part. Because we have been included by the Spirit in the community that has been buried with Christ and raised with Him. We are free to play in new creation. Because we are part of the community that has been buried with Christ and raised with him, we are free to play in new creation, to to cultivate wonder at what God is doing. We are free to play in new creation, to cultivate wonder at what God is doing in our life. This is a whole life. This is a comprehensive thing. Not just things that we do on Sunday. Not just things that we do uh, in one part of our life, in the spiritual part of our life. This is a whole life reorientation. The invitation to play in God's new creation. To take a posture of wonder at, at what he is working in our lives. This is a comprehensive thing. So why don't we do this? It's easy enough to, to uh, acknowledge this reality, to acknowledge resurrection life and new creation. But why don't we do this? What keeps us from play? From cultivating a posture of wonder in new creation? When I was a kid, I had my own room, my own bedroom. You guys have your own bedroom? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. Uh, um, so I have a younger brother, and um, uh, just one, just one brother, one younger brother, and we lived in a three-bedroom, two-bath house, uh, and so that meant that my brother and I had our own room, and um, my room became for me uh, this sanctuary from chaos both the chaos that existed like around me the chaos that existed in my younger brother's life and room and I had everything in my room it was like the one place where I could have everything just so i was in complete control of my environment everything fit my expectations and my tastes and my desires exactly It was my little sanctuary from the chaos of the outside world. What I didn't understand at the time is that that zone of having my own room to myself was actually forming me. It was making me a kind of person who lived in lots of anxiety and fear when I would go outside of my room in situations where I could not control my own environment. Uh, This became especially clear to me uh, when I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18 and went to college and I had a roommate for the first time. Man, I so many times lost my biscuit because I didn't know what to do in a world where I couldn't have my little sanctuary of space where I controlled... All of my environment exactly so. Has anyone experienced this? Has anyone ever been stuck on an airplane on a runway for an extended amount of time? Yeah. Friends, uh, we live in a world that forms us within uh, an intolerance of mystery. We live in a world that is, in so many ways, intolerant to mystery, and we get formed into to have that kind of intolerance of mystery. And what I mean by intolerance of mystery is is an addiction to control. Is uh, the 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 need to. Um, to master and understand and control all of our environment to the best of our abilities so that to the best of our abilities we can control our expectations, we can, we can get out of life the expectations that we want, that we can control everything just like we want to. There, there are no surprises in this kind of world. Everything is increasingly calculated. This is what, this is what work and school, by and large, teach us. These are environments where we're expected to, to have control over all the data, over all the information. Um, we're expected to produce results that we can predict. I mean, is there, is there any, anyone who has a job who like regularly, uh, it's a good thing that there are surprises? I mean, school is the same way, right? The point isn't that, that work and school in and of themselves are bad. The point is, is that we spend most of our time at work or in school. And it means that that means most of the time we're in an environment that breeds an intolerance of mystery and an addiction to control. Because the problem is is that our world is also filled with surprises. This is the way that the world is. The world is filled with things that we can't anticipate, that we can't control, that we don't expect. And the thing is, is that we experience lots of disappointment. Disorientation. Confusion. Because things come into our lives that we can't control and that we don't expect. And so slowly, over time, our hearts shift. And over time, unintentionally, our posture towards God and towards the way that he works shifts. And suddenly, over time, it shifts to where the way that we relate to God is that we're trying to make him useful to us. He becomes a tool that we use in order to control our environments, in order to produce the expectations that we want. Or he may even become a product that that, uh, we need to consume in order to help all of the anxiety and fear and craziness that we drum up in our life, trying to get security and control over our environment. Friends, today we embrace the good news. That into our addiction to certainty, into our intolerance to mystery... We proclaim the good news that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, tonight, if you feel disorientation, if you feel disappointment, if you feel confusion in your life, is there anyone here who experiences confusion, disorientation, fear in your life? Friends, if you experience that, do not fear. Do not fear. God is working new creation. God is working new creation, and that means that there is more going on. There is more going on in our disillusionment, in our disorientation, in our confusion, in our disappointment. There is more going on than we can control. Hallelujah! There is more going on than any of us can realize or control. Christ's resurrection frees us, frees us to play in new creation, to cultivate wonder at what God is doing. Christ's resurrection helps us relearn how to relate to God, that God is not a distant judge, right, who's looking down on us, waiting for us to get it right. And he's not also um, some sort of self-help guru that's a tool that we use in order to bring control over ourselves and over our environment. But that God is working new creation. And because we've been raised with Christ, more is going on than we realize and we are free to play to cultivate wonder at new creation. In John chapter 20, we see Mary Magdalene. We see that in the midst of her grief, her disappointment, her confusion. She goes, even still, to abide with Jesus, to tend to Jesus' presence. That day, very early in the morning, on the first day, John says, she had come to deal with death. She and the rest of the disciples presumably had spent the day before, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, had spent it, that's Sabbath in, in the Jewish world, that they had spent it resting, ceasing. And so this day, this early in the morning, this first day was a, is a day that maybe many of you feel like on, a, on the first day, it's a, it's a day filled with disappointment and heaviness and confusion, and you're just going to do your job. This was her job. This was a job of the women in the community to embalm the bodies. It was something that she couldn't have done the day before because it was a Sabbath. And she was just going to do her job. But she's interrupted. She's interrupted with resurrection. She's interrupted with new creation. In John's gospel, one of the things that he's doing as we look at the big picture is that he's rewriting creation He's rewriting the creation story through Jesus. He's rewriting the creation story through Jesus because Jesus' death and resurrection for John changed everything. It flipped the whole world that he knew, the story about God, upside down so that for the first time he could see God right side up. And so we see it in the very beginning in John 1. He says, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, Jesus was there. In the beginning was the word. And so John is bringing this story of rewriting creation. He's bringing it to its culmination at the end of John's gospel with with new creation, with Jesus' resurrection. Because for John, Jesus' resurrection is new creation. In the beginning, God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus' resurrection means new creation. It doesn't just mean pardon from personal guilt, right? It does mean that. It does mean the forgiveness of our individual sins. But it's, it includes that, and it's so much bigger than that. It's cosmic. It's this thing that has changed the grain of the universe that's flipped death on its head and is now rewriting creation. So the very thing that reminded us of our, of our brokenness, of our, of our decay, of, of the fact that we are dust and to dust we shall return, the very thing of that creation is now once again in Christ, the means of our life. It's so much bigger than just pardon from guilt. It is that. It's all things are being renewed in Christ. All brokenness, all the corpses, all the, the bones in our life are being put back together in Christ. In this, in this story where Mary encounters an empty tomb, notice how in this story that those who were closest to Jesus... were so taken off guard, and so surprised by his resurrection. Even though he had said this plainly to them, several, on several occasions, and we, and we could probably suspect that on more occasions than just a few times, but on several occasions at least, Jesus says, I'm going to rise in three days, I will be raised in three days. But even those who were closest to Jesus, where his closest friends, are so taken off guard, so surprised, more was going on than they realized. That morning when Mary got up and started her day of disappointment and grief and regular life, more was going on than she realized, and her life was interrupted by resurrection and new creation. And so this is the key point. Get this key point. That means that even under the best conditions, even... Uh, among those who were closest in proximity to Jesus, who understood his teaching better than anyone else, even under the best conditions, they could not predict new creation. They could not predict new creation. And that means that that, that resurrection and new life and new creation is something we just can't control. More is going on than we realize and can control. Hallelujah! And so you've got this interesting story where, where Mary comes... And notice what she does. This is, this is, this is interesting. Notice what she does. She, she looks and she runs. She comes, even in her grief, to abide with Jesus. She looks and she, she runs. And she runs to, the, to, um, to Peter and then to the beloved disciple. And there's, of course, it, we aren't exactly 100% sure who the beloved disciple was, but there's a good chance that the gospel writer John is referring to himself. We don't know for sure, but there's a good chance... That Mary goes and runs to Peter and to John and tells them that something's going on and then they run and, and the beloved disciple outruns Peter. They're running. They're running around. It's funny trying to read the commentaries on this because like, all of the like PhD theologian people, they can't quite settle on what this means. They're playing. They're playing. They don't know it yet. This is like this is like dramatic irony from the author who's rewriting it backwards, who because we know the end of the story, we know we can see it, they're playing in new creation and they don't even know it. They're playing in new creation. Jews, most good Jews, they didn't run around. That was a it was a kid thing to do. And so get this: on the Sabbath day, and that day when Jesus was in the grave, they waited. They sat. You weren't allowed to walk too many steps or are definitely not allowed to run on the Sabbath. But on this day, the first day, the day when Jesus rose from the dead and flipped the whole universe on its head, they run. They play. And they encounter a mystery. Resurrection life, new creation, is not something that we can control or master. It will always come to us as a surprise. Eugene Peterson writes, We inhabit mystery. We must not pretend to know too much. But mystery is a scary reality to embrace. Can I get an amen for that? Mystery is a scary reality to embrace. Whenever we encounter a situation in which our previous assumptions, in which our, which our standing protocol can, cannot account for what's happening in front of us, cannot account for what we're facing? That's scary. It's no surprise that in all the gospel accounts, the most common response to the surprise of the resurrection is fear. And so the angels and Jesus are, are saying, don't be afraid. Why are you weeping? So this means that to encounter resurrection, to encounter new creation, is to be out of control. (laughs) On some level, it is to be out of control. And it's to be out of control because in, in encountering resurrection, in encountering new creation, we are encountering holy other. If we were in control of new creation and resurrection, that would mean that, after all, that God is not someone different than us. Then God really is just a projection of our best intentions. But in resurrection and new creation, we encounter the other, the person outside of us. And if you've had any experience like like me, when you've gone years without living with a roommate and then suddenly having to live with another person in the same space, it Disrupts your world. You encounter the other. You encounter a a reality that you cannot control. But more is going on than we realize. God is working new creation. Notice, too, uh, that Mary goes back. She runs and then she goes back. And she displays this curiosity. She does this odd thing, even in her fear and in her confusion. John says that she like, stoops to look in the tomb to see what's there. And in her curiosity, in her wonder, she, she encounters resurrection and new creation, even though she still isn't quite sure what's going on yet. But she takes a posture where she hears her name. Did you guys catch that? That's when she recognizes Jesus. When she hears her name, you you remember the, a few chapters on um, when Peter jumps out of the boat. It's the same kind of dynamic. She hears her name, and then Jesus says something interesting. Uh, she says, "Don't." He says, "Don't cling to me. Don't cling to me." Jesus isn't like getting weird about his personal space. That's not what he's doing. When Jesus says, don't cling to me, don't grab me, he's he's saying this, this is the sense. He's saying, Mary, do not fear. This is new creation. You will not lose me again. You can go. You can play. You can witness. Go and witness to this reality. You will not lose me again. There is nothing so dead that God cannot raise it. I am working new creation. In a world with an intolerance to mystery, how do we do this? Friends, we hear the good news that in a world with intolerance to mystery, that Jesus' resurrection life frees us to play in new creation. This is the posture. As we go throughout our world, in a world that is addicted to control, the posture that we take as those who are part of the community of resurrection is this posture of playful wonder. And that means that today, today, we can take our fear. That we come by honestly, right? We can take our fear, our confusion, our disappointment. We can take it and we can let it be transformed into resurrection wonder. It doesn't mean that it'll all go away. It doesn't mean that suddenly our life will make sense. That suddenly, oh, now I see everything as it's supposed to be. But it means that we're taking it and we're submitting it and letting it be transformed into resurrection wonder so that we can play in new creation. Playful wonder. This is the posture that we take toward ourselves and toward one another in God's new creation. So, I'm going to say a little bit more about play and about wonder. But get what this means, first of all. This means that there is no part of us, there is no part of you, that is so messed up that God cannot raise it from the dead. You are not too far gone. There's no part. There's no part of us that that we have to leave dead and buried. God. God is working new creation. So play, that word playful, if you're anything like me, it kind of disturbs you, it kind of bothers you a little bit, because I take my faith very seriously. It kind of bothers you a little bit. Think about it like this. Think about it like, if, if if you are a kid, or if you can remember back to when you were a kid, and you were just like free, if you're if you're a parent or you've you've done childcare in any way that you you as a parent or as someone who's watching out for maybe nieces or nephews or whatever you've created an environment in which you know that you've created so that that kid or your kid can flourish and play and mess up and have fun and learn and do whatever to say that that This is play describes how we are freed to act and work and live if new creation is real. Because when you start talking to people about what it's like to live and live like free of addiction to control, if you're anything like me, your first response is, What am I supposed to do then? Right? I guess I can't do anything. Because if I can't control it, then I have no idea what to do with my body. We play. We play. Play is a description for how we're freed to act and live and work if new creation is real and new creation isn't in our control. If it's something primarily not that we're trying to construct, but it's a reality that God is, is forming among us and he invites us to be a part of it. To play doesn't mean that we're, it's any less serious. To play doesn't mean that it's any less serious than the command that Moses gave to the Israelites when they were standing on the edge of the promised land and he reminded them that this was a matter of life and death. It's still a matter of life and death. But friends, we have been welcomed in the community of God's resurrection life and we have been freed to play. It's not any less serious, but what it does describe is how we operate when the seriousness isn't up to us. Wonder. Wonder is readiness to hold our expectations with open hands. Readiness to be surprised. To respond to what we don't understand. To what we don't anticipate. And you don't have to try. This is not something you have to try harder to do. Like, things are going to happen. Things are going to unfold in your life, maybe even today, that you didn't anticipate. That you didn't control. Lord, for, God forbid that we would have an environment where every single thing that happened was exactly according to our expectations. What kind of world is that? Wonder is about curiosity. It's about getting curious about what God is doing. And this curiosity is a fundamental shift for me that, that has changed and is continuing to change my life. The curiosity about what God is doing in any moment, in any any good part of my life, in any bad part of my life, any big part or small part, curiosity about what God is doing. it's, it's, It's a fundamental shift for me because what it is is a shift from my action being primary to God's action being primary. And we're looking for access points. One of my access points... So I don't I don't have to like figure this out for my whole life. I'm just looking for one access point. One of my access points is learning to parent a toddler. Because if there is any place where my addiction to control is most evident in my life, it's when when Ruthie, when I encounter her as an as other, as holy other. This is a place where God is working new creation where as I as I as I play, as I get curious about what God is about how he's speaking my name in those places where I get upset and out of control, what, what's happening is, is doors are opening to what it looks like for me to play in resurrection life and the rest of my life. So I'm just looking for that one access point. What is it for you? Maybe you've got toddlers. I know some of you got toddlers. I don't have to ask. I know who has toddlers in here. <laughs> Maybe it's a place of disappointment. Or confusion. Or where your expectations haven't been met. What would it look like for you to take a posture of wonder? To play. Is there a job? Is there a task? Is there, is there an identity, a vocation that's been given to you? That you can begin to step in, not in control, but in play. As if God is the one who is in control of the outcomes. And we can surrender it to him. Is it at work? Is it at school? What would it look like for us as a community, as Christ the King? There's all sorts of stuff. I like what, what has unfolded for me in the past year and a half, I could not have predicted or controlled. But I'm learning to say, God is at work. He has freed us to play in new creation. More Christ the King, more is going on than we realize or control. A